Investing insights with Right Property Group. Exploring trends in real estate and helping property investors gain financial security. Hey everyone, how are you going? Episode 4, Series 3, Investing Insights with the Right Property Group. I'm here. I'm Phil Tarrant, my co-host, Steve Waters, Victor Kumar, Right Property Group. Gentlemen, how are you going? You well? Going well, Phil. Awesome. Thank you for asking. Now, this is the first recording post the uh, recommendations made by the Royal Commission. Um, I don't want that to dominate today's podcast, but I think we should probably kick off with it. Um, lots of uncertainty still in front of us and underway. Um, what's your read of it, Steve? What, what sort of conversation are you having with, with the right property crew at the moment around all this? Um, look, I think there, there will be change and you would have been under a rock if you hadn't heard the outcome of the Royal Commission. Um, and essentially the, the bank's got smacked with the fluffy end of a feather duster as punishment, really. Mm. Um, I think the most, the big thing that's going to affect us is how they will change the lending requirements and then the flow on to brokers potentially being non-existent. It'll be a user pay system uh, and how that will affect different areas throughout Australia and investing. And at the moment where it's business as usual because nobody really knows what the outcome is and whether the recommendations are going to be taken on. Having said that, that's a pretty good chance. Either way, just with the consumer psyche, uh, there will be an effect and it will, I believe it will hinder some markets and it potentially enable other markets. Okay, so Victor, for, for you, um, you just watch this space, wait what happens, keep focus on the strategy, uh, be aware of, but um, look for opportunities. Yes, absolutely. Um, one of the things that uh, happens when, when there's change about is there's uh, opportunities about. So we need to uh, be mindful of uh, what they are, but certainly maybe watch this space for a little while longer because uh, I think cooler heads are starting to prevail in terms of what does this really mean for the mortgage industry? Uh, are we taking competition away because of the recommendation, which is my opinion? Uh, and uh, I- importantly, um, the, the um, um, Governor of the Reserve Bank actually came out um, uh, immediately after the um, report was tabled, saying that it, it's in contrary to the Productivity Commission that was put in, uh, which doesn't doesn't fly in the face of making sure there's healthy competition and handing it back straight to the big four. Uh, and um, um, uh, I, I read an article yesterday, um, actually it was on Twitter, where uh, Scott Morrison... Must, must be true. Must be true, right? Yeah. Uh, Scott Morrison uh, came out and said that we need to take a um, measured approach to this and not just go through blindly. Mm. Yeah, I, I actually watched um, Scott Morrison was at the National Press Club yesterday, so um, <clears throat> middle of uh, February and... Um, uh, he was asked a question from the floor around uh, mortgage brokers, and he was very supportive, very complimentary of yes. the very important role that mortgage brokers play and uh, the essential role they they have in uh, promoting competition um, mm-hmm. outside of the the, the major banks uh, into the regional banks and smaller banks, and ensuring that all Australian property investors have access to the best financing possible. So, uh, you know, what can you do as a property investor, Victor? You get, you've got a voice, haven't you? You can... Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And and um, uh, equally importantly, um, uh, maybe get your hands on a couple of white paper reports that are floating around. Uh, I know Momentum Intelligence has put out a report, which is um, really a, a strong testimony to where the uh, consumer sentiment is, as opposed to uh, what where the Royal Commission is in terms of its sentiments. So there is some really good reports around, but my uh, my people tell me, Victor, my sources, and uh, as you know, I'm uh, pretty uh, hooked into the uh, the property investment landscape. That uh, 
you have some news for me, something around a book. What's going on? Yes, Phil, this was a book that was in my head for 15 years and last year I pulled the trigger to uh, actually pen it mm. um, and it's called uh, Supercharge Your Property Portfolio. And the news is that the Money Magazine has um, made it the recommended book of the month for February. Okay. Uh, so we'll put that in the show notes uh, and, and the link as to where, the peop- where uh, our listeners can go to to get the book. Uh, it's been very well received by um, um, the uh, industry. So, so is it about your journey through property or is it, or is it more about your views as a, a property professional helping other people out or is it a bit of both? It is a bit of both. Uh, it is a bit of both um, and it, it addresses all the fundamentals, the fundamentals that most people get wrong and um, certainly um, make, taking away all of the fluff and putting it down to bare basics as to what people usually get wrong uh, when they're trying to build a multi-property portfolio. Okay. How, how do I get a copy of it? Is it in bookshops and stuff? Uh, it is in the bookshops, okay. uh, but we'll also put the uh, link in the uh, show notes uh, and people click on that and, and go to the website. And I'm assuming, Steve, that you've read it cover to cover? Four times I was the editor. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was the shadow writer. <laughs> no, it's a good book. Yeah. It, um, it does address the fundamentals, as Vic said. And often when you, when you do get... Yeah, literature around property investing it can be overcomplicated and he's done a good job in mm. making it quite simple. Did you enjoy the process? It was. was it was quite. No, no, it wasn't. It, it wasn't. It was quite gratifying yeah. uh, because once once you're in a flow, it, it's fairly easy because it's all sitting in your head. the The challenge was then to to um, put it in the right chapters in the right order so that it flows. Mm. And is there a section on there around how to spot hot spots? Is that uh, one of your things? I know it's uh, you know having. Worked with you guys uh, for, for many, many years. You're a bit anti-hotspots. People are talking about hotspots. It's pretty much a not spot, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and there is definitely a section in there how to keep yourself uh, safe from the, in inverted commas, hotspots. Okay. Well, I don't know if that's a good hook into what I want to chat today. Is I also wanted to talk about hotspots in 2019. Um, so is there a such thing as a hotspot? What does your chapter say in your book? Is a hotspots exist? Or is that just something made it's, up by uh, by the media? It's usually made up by the media. Okay. Usually, when when uh, something's touted as a hotspot, it's already too late. The fundamentals have already gone out of the area, mm. and and you're jumping on way too late, or um, worse still, you are speculating. Okay, so smart property investment. We like hotspot stories because everyone clicks on them. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone's looking to become a, a bazillionaire overnight by finding the next secret hotspot, which never really exists, and. Uh, I've seen a lot of people get burned by getting carried away in uh, trading on hotspots. Um, uh, if you think back to the mining booms, uh, was it Moorumba? Moorumba, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people got hurt. They're like really badly. Yeah, like, Port you know, Hedland as well. up Port Hedland, getting swept away in, in a lot of the noise that was in the market in general. And I, I think there was there was a number of property firms out there selling this stuff pretty hard, mm-hmm. right? Um, and uh, a lot of people did well out of it if, if you bought and sold at the right time. But I think a lot of people were left with a lot of properties sitting there, which was, you know, a third or a quarter of value of what it is. So people getting swept up in hotspots. But let's talk about the fundamentals of a hotspot. So I don't want this to be an anti-hotspot discussion. I think the the framework of a hotspot, the, the dynamics of a hotspot, the DNA of a hotspot is critical to any type of property investment, mm. right? You need to find these things. So maybe we go through that. So let's put hotspots aside, I think, and say... For the base of this chat, a hotspot is somewhere where it has all the, the best fundamentals for uh, um, supporting yourself as a property investor. So that's capital growth and, and, and good yields, right? That's the holy grail for a property investors. So for you, Steve, when you look at identifying a place, when you look at identifying somewhere which is going to give you what what you want as a property investor, i.e. capital growth and yielding, where do you start? What's the first thing you do? 
Um, it's a combination. I really couldn't just pinpoint one factor, but it, mm. um, if I broke it down into a couple, it would be infrastructure past and future um, or now and future uh, in combination with supply and demand because what that's going to do is give us an insight into what that area will need uh, in terms of the infrastructure, but also the population that follows, uh, therefore creating demand. But just coming back to the hotspot phrase, if, if you will, there's we really break that down into two. We One type of hotspot is something that's going to just be a, an artificial peak in the market um, and rise quite rapidly and then contract in price as well. And then you have the different type of hotspot, which has got longevity, and that's around the fundamentals. Consistent uh, growth. Consistent growth. I think just the media terminology of mm-hmm. hotspot is, is, is really good clickbait, as, as you'd know. Mm. But the fundamentals are, are always going to prove the longevity of an area and a rising tide lifts all ships at the end of the day. So if you don't get in at the beginning of a hotspot, so to speak, it's okay if you get in there at the... I don't know, the seven o'clock position or the eight, eight o'clock position on the property clock and then ride that growth train, so to speak, uh, up until a point where you exit the market. So on, on that, uh, obviously, if it's a hotspot and it continues to be a hotspot, if, and if you look at it historically, a lot of the areas, um, the ones that were uh, in your first example where it had a blimp uh, mm. and, and, and rose, rose rapidly and then settled back to where it should be, they didn't actually have the good fundamentals. It was possibly people chasing yields uh, and, and therefore, as the yields increase, so I'm talking mining towns, obviously, as the yields increase, more and more people jump in. So it, it creates that supply and demand balance. And right? it's self-perpetuating. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, of course, if I've done really well and I'm getting uh, you know stacks of cash flow and also getting good capital growth at the same time, I'm going to spruik to everyone uh, that would want to hear. Uh, and uh, you know it, it just creates a groundswell. But when the fundamentals get away from the area, in fact, that that area usually does not have the fundamentals. And when when it, when it goes away, or the demand, the pent up demand, particularly in the mining towns where the construction phase is finished, the uh, demand gets sucked out, and and therefore it settles back to normalcy, and that's where a lot of people get hurt. Whereas if you look at other um, uh, so-called hotspots, so you, you know, let, let's let's talk about Sydney, let's talk about Melbourne as an example, which were two uh, big hotspots, very very yeah. big hotspots, and e- even in there, there were some areas that we it would not make sense to invest in the long-term view, uh, whereas others were uh, you know absolute no-brainers in terms of investing there. So when you look at it from that viewpoint, when you are looking at a hotspot in inverted commas. The fundamentals need to be there and they need to be there for the long term, uh, which is coming back to what you said, Steve, uh, your um, uh, infrastructure going in, your population increasing and, and people actually wanting to live in that area. Well, if we break it down to what in, in terms of that, so there's the potential hotspot and then there's the current hotspot. Yeah, you want to be in there, in there before it actually becomes a hotspot. Yeah, but once again, let's we're not talking about hotspots in its true mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, We're just talking about... Good buying. Good buying. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and but interpreting perhaps what's a what's a vested interest by those reporting on it versus mm. what's fundamentally correct is another story as well. So you mentioned Moranbah and, and some of those mining towns that suffered horrifically. There are some articles and some media banter around it at the moment how they've bounced back and they've you know, they've increased fifteen percent over the last twelve months. Statistically, that might be correct. You've just it lost. Dropped significantly it dropped eighty percent yeah. or ninety percent, and whilst the fundamentals may not be there, the data will reflect that it's potentially a hotspot. When you guys are, you know, I've been out to your offices and stuff, and um, you've got different offices, and you sit there. Do, do, 
Do you ever march in Victor's office and say, I've found the new hotspot? You know, like, well, what sort of language do you guys use? Every 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what, what sort of language do you guys use internally to um, determine something which is pretty good right now? Well, first of all, we don't use the word hotspot. No, it's no never, I've, never, I've never heard you use it. Mm. So. No, it's not part of our vocabulary, as Vic says. But it, potentially, well, what we do do is we'll have our weekly meetings around you know, new fundamentals, mm. um, all the or the, the data that's been collected and, and how we decipher it and we'll then start to create a pool of potential areas and then we just shortlist them over a period of usually around about six months. Mm. It, it does take that long and that that can be a combination of just the data but and we've spoken about it before, mm-hmm. also ground truth, where we physically go to the areas. So we really don't start speaking about it uh, an area a lot until we've physically been there and we're ready to either shoot it down um, or pull the trigger. Well, let, let's talk about last week. You know, right? so last week you were um, uh, in Adelaide and I was in Brisbane. Yeah, and uh, we reported back to each other as to what our eyes saw on the ground because data can be one thing, mm. uh, and and we we do swap areas so that Steve looks at it through his eyes and his opinion, and I look at it through my eyes and my opinion, and then we compare notes. and And if we are you know eighty or ninety percent in agreement in an area, then we explore it a lot more. Right. So uh, it's, it's important that even if you have identified an area, that you do go back and revisit it time and time again because things change. Things change on a monthly basis. And it's the pulse of the market, but mm. it's also the, the pulse of the agents within the area. They're a really good indicator of how the market's performing. It's mm. just their, their general demeanor, um, what mm. they say to you, but you need to be able to write, ask the right questions to get the answers um, that are pertinent to the to the particular area. So if we take Adelaide as an example, where we've been buying there for probably 18 months or thereabouts. A bit longer than yeah, that. two years. Yeah. And it's done very well for us. It hasn't broken any records. It's it's not been in the media, but the areas that we're in, it, it just continues to pour, you know, bread and butter growth, as we call it, mm. which is really good. But there's been a lot of media attention around it in the last probably eight months, and rightly so. But what I've found over the last couple of trips down there is that some of the areas are getting the attention that perhaps shouldn't be and that investors need to be wary looking forward about where they purchase, especially in Adelaide, because it doesn't have the, the population. population growth that Sydney or Melbourne will have and it probably never will. Um, and there's a lot of development down there. And mm. so if we take the inner city, just like most CBD centres in each state, it's probably better to steer clear of that. Even though we you know, we like to talk about that 20-minute to 30-minute drive from around Adelaide is where we concentrate on. That doesn't mean CBD-centric, so to speak. But there's a lot of development over there. There will be an oversupply there. And you know, I hope that doesn't come back to haunt me, but I'm, I believe it will be. But the outer suburbs are starting to probably, in some areas, overperform. Uh, and what's happening is because the prices are going up, it's affecting cash flow, which is part of the reason you go to Adelaide other than diversification and growth mm. anyways is because it's relevant, good cash flow. Which was the basis of our debrief uh, last week when you uh, had that visit to Adelaide where, you know, you really need to be careful as to what you buy there in terms of um, looking at it from a cash flow and potential growth point of view. Uh, Because a lot of the properties where um, a lot of the property pundits uh, are saying would be really good areas to buy, uh, when you really do the numbers on it, the numbers look exactly like what it would in Melbourne and Sydney. And, and well, even Sydney yeah. right now, that's a real, mm. and that's a, an example that we had. So there was a potential development site, and they're just a split of blocks. So development's probably the wrong terminology. 
Um, purchase price was, uh, I think it was $550 or thousand dollars or something like that for a split one into two. The yield was going to be 3.75% thereabouts. I can come to Sydney and get that. Mm. And so, and I'm not saying you should, but as an investor, what you need to think about was, so do I want to go, go to Adelaide now and take on the three, just touch under 4% yield, pay the same price as I would in Sydney, knowing that Adelaide doesn't have the population growth or the potential growth as it would in Sydney. Yes, Sydney's oversupplied, but we've got the highest rate of immigration we've ever had. It will absorb far quicker that oversupply than somewhere like Adelaide. So you both visit an area and you both got your own lens of, of how you look at it. And I imagine there's a lot of commonality because mm-hmm. you, know, you, you, you both see the world no, the same way. No, we, we, we see it black and white. <laughs> yeah. And, you, and you, um, you, know, you both experience, you've worked together a long time. So I imagine you see the same things, right? But when you go down the path of assessing a particular area, so you go visit a, a suburb X and you go and visit suburb X and you sit down and talk about it, is that a structured conversation or you just sort of muse over... You know, yeah, the shopping centre was, was, was crap and empty and it was four sales signs up all over the place. Coffee was all so, ordinary. You know, yeah. coffee, was, coffee was ordinary. Or do you actually, when you guys get together to um, do a bit of a debrief or, a, or an analysis on a particular area, is it structured? You sort of go through, here's the 10 points, let's talk about this, let's talk about this, let's talk about this. Very structured. This. It, Very it, has structured. To, it has to be. There's, we need to cover off certain aspects as we go down that list. Otherwise, it's just a general conversation. Mm. And when you're dealing with you know potentially billions of dollars, it can't be anything but structured. Yeah. And it also, Vic might have a different list than I do, and but there'd be some commonality mm-hmm. amongst it, and it's just debriefing each other's notes. Mm. And do you ever sort of get at polar opposites where you where you just go, nah, this, no, this we is haven't, a, no, we haven't. We haven't, really. No. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there may be that, you know, uh, one person's more buoyant in the area than, than the other, but then mm. if that's the case, we go back and revisit the area together yeah. uh, so that I'm showing Steve what I'm seeing and Steve showing me what he's seeing in that area. Um, and, and that way you can't get it wrong. Mm. And, and do you sort of ever veto the other on, on anything? Do you have a sort of a... No, I haven't you know, done that so far. No. No, no. no intention. No intention? Yep. No? Yeah. No, unless it was just a... An absolute something was missed, mm. um, but it's not just us. You know, there's mm. another crew behind us or team behind us that are analysing as well. Our buyers agents and our analysts. So it all all the information is pulled. So it's really a holistic determination of what, which areas are going to be the most um, relevant and productive for your clients. It's a lot of science involved and a the, lot of and a lot of um, a lot know, of background call ground truth, right? Yeah, yeah, but it's a it is a holistic approach and it's a different scenario for each client. It could be different people's household incomes and budgets and capital and what have you and where they are in their own potential portfolio and goals will determine different areas as well. And on the balance of things, how much, when you look at, at determining a, a, a an investable location, let's call it a hotspot, right? But mm. I don't call it a hotspot. An investable location, how much of your decision is based on the research and the numbers and the economic data that you've pulled out versus you guys getting on the ground, having a look around, speaking with agents. So essentially it's your your human intelligence versus your sort of, you know, mm. yeah, your, your, your sort of research. Human intelligence, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Have you ever had that call, said to you before? No, I've just been called intelligent. Mm. It's, uh... read, read his book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, look, it, the data leaves us in a, it leads us to a particular area first and mm. then it's So data the gives you clues. It's steerage, correct. Yeah. 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 Okay. But you can get it wrong. If you just rely on the, just the data and not mm. go on the ground, you can get it wrong. And we've been wrong. to plenty of places where mm. the data have perhaps indicated that it could be an area of um, of interest and then we've been there and we've spent months on the ground literally to say, you know what, no. Don't see it. Don't see it. 
don't feel it. And, yeah, the data is misleading. I just got, I just had a mental picture of you. I know you're a country boy walking around one of those little Y-shaped things looking for water on the ground. Like <laughs> do you a, know I can do that? True story. A water diviner. A water diviner. There you go. Yeah. I, can, I can do that. Yeah? Yep. Does it work? Absolutely it does. Yeah. Sounds like smoke and mirrors. No. I'll Maybe there's a new name for your uh, your your business, the water divider property. <laughs> water's water's divider. Water's, water's, water's water divider. We'll find the next hot spot. <laughs> there's a picture of me with a coat hanger. Into a Do you know what's really funny though? Um, and I'm not a country guy, so whether or not there's any mystique around that, I imagine it's some laughable thing, or people really believe that you no, actually it, find it, water. It's true. I, I know, but um. I think a lot of people go through their property investment journey a bit like that. They sort of, you know, they're just sort of sitting there with a couple of bits of wire or sticks in their hands trying to work out. You're painting a really bad picture of me here. <laughs> <laughs> I try, this is called a metaphor, Steve. Right. Uh, read his book. I'm sure it's full of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there it is. That was a metaphor. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Or a simile. Something yeah. is like something. But anyway, but. It is, it is an art form. It is a science, uh, finding investable locations. Um, 100%. And if you're leaning on the media waiting for this big flashing thing that says hotspot, hotspot, hotspot by now, you're not doing it the right way. That's a fair and that's a, that's a base assumption, which is So I still accurate. got the smile on my face. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling <laughs> taking it seriously. Though, it? it was good, yeah. yeah. The, the idea of a podcast is supposed to tell stories, right? So people right now are imagining you walking around. <laughs> with a squirrel hat. With your Blundstones on and your, your Cobra and your Dreiser bone trying to look like a country guy. Uh, no one does that, mate. No one does that. Board really? shorts, thongs and stubbies. Yeah, that's the way forward. So so there, it is a science. It is an absolute science. I believe it's a lot of it, – it is a science, but then there's – there comes a time where you can either be a paper trader yeah. or you can pull the trigger and yep. and be in it and you will never learn as much as then when you've got vested dollars. Mm. And you obviously do this for other people. You know, your, your business is, is providing this as a solution to help people ensure they're buying the right properties for their needs. Um, but if you don't use guys like you or use a, a buyer's agent, you can do it yourself. You probably see it all the time. You probably happen with me where, where you flick a switch and you actually turn into a, a property investor where you go from being a database person to someone who can look at a suburb, travel a suburb, and uh, and, and appreciate it's a big those things. Step. It's a big step. Big step. Not everyone makes that step. <clears throat> not not everybody does, and mm. it's it's down to their 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 personality. Um, I was probably one of those people when I first started. Mm. I, I was the I've told the story a hundred times. I'm, I was the procrastinator from from hell because everything for me is about numbers. It's my background. If I hadn't have had the support of my then girlfriend now wife I probably wouldn't have done it that's to be totally fair so what what was the what was the thing that sort of shifted your perception then from being uh, a- look at first it was the numbers because I couldn't make them fall over on on what my um, wife had already accumulated mm. I think at the time she had five or six properties or something like that so she she'd done very very well and the 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 final trigger pull or point for me was that she did it for me okay I, like if it was purely up to me I don't know if I I'd have still been searching for the best deal. Mm. So I said, okay, go out and find it for me. And she did within two days and I went to water. There you go. Mm-mm. And I imagine you talk about this in your book, Victor, so another segue. But yeah, anyway, absolutely. Was there a point to, it's or, not was, planned was, either, right? <laughs> was, there, was there a point for you where you went from being da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, reading everything to actually I need to get on the ground and uh, drive around and, and start talking to people? Look, taking a segue from my medical training, so uh, doing uh, ultrasound, um, you can have all the theory you you want, 
but unless you're physically doing the ultrasound, uh, you can't recognize the patterns and the variants and to know which is normal and what is not. And, and we transpose that to property. You can, you know, back when I started, you know, the data we would get was uh, at the back of, uh, you know, property magazines. Very rudimentary, yeah. yeah. Uh, which was, um, you know, you, you, you are sort of hanging on for the next month's episode to see whether, you know, you're right or wrong or whether your area has gone up in that quarter or not, then, then translating that back into the area. Uh, and back then, flights were a lot more expensive. Mm. Uh, so a lot of people were investing within their suburbs or, or within driving distance. But now things have changed, right? So your information is readily available, perhaps a bit too readily available as well, uh, which is which is, point. Yeah, yeah. which is what, uh, you know, where people go wrong is where they get too much information and they don't know which way to turn. So you need to be able to... to uh, decipher that when you're on the ground to say, okay, this is all just uh, fluff and these are the brass texts to this area and this is why it'll work. It's, it's almost and, like yeah. distorted truth. You, yeah, absolutely. It, it's all mm. true, mm. but you just don't know which direction to go and that's a little bit more true than perhaps that data. Mm-hmm. And when I say distorted, it's because it could be something as simple as old properties versus a, a, a new house and land release Correct. package or off Correct. the plans that are pulling it up or, or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. And without the truth behind that, and if you make your decisions purely on data, well, that's a dangerous, and you a dangerous can't, game. You, you can't do this in a weekend. You, you need to no. spend real time on the ground. Uh, you know, in, in, in what we, you and I do, we probably spend two, three months in an area before we, we call it. Uh, yeah, that's mm. on the ground. What yes. about the data beforehand? That's right. Yeah. So, so, so uncovering the truth is the secret to a inverted commas hotspot. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, <clears throat> data helps; it gives you clues that can lead you in a particular area. But then you need to actually get there and look at it yourself. Tell me, Victor, when you are looking at a spot and you're you're visiting a new area where you might not have been beforehand, but the data has led you there. Mm-hmm. A very good way to uncover the truth is to talk to people, absolutely, uh, of, 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 or from from that live there, operate there, work there, mm-hmm. have businesses there. Um, that's how you can really get the ground, ground truth. Now, real estate agents and property managers are a critical part of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're looking to invest in a particular area, you need to be connected in with those people. Yeah. Would you just wander a high street and walk into a you know, Century 21 or a Star Partners and say, oh, hi, um, can I speak to the principal? Or would you call up beforehand and, and, and book an appointment? Or like, I want to have a look at this mm-hmm. because this is important. How would you, how would you yeah. approach that? My, my preference is to simply rock up, okay. right? And, and the reason why I do that is then, then you don't, you know, you, you're, not, you're not going through a sales process with them mm. um, where they're starting to flick off um, properties to you beforehand and all this sort of stuff. So the uh, relationship built with that agent then becomes a lot more organic okay. uh, and, and more in line with what I want. Okay. Um, the best agents or the best opportunities come when you're window shopping and the agent pops out of the office and comes out and talks to you, which means that they are either hungry for business or they're just simply good operators and, and um, uh, they will then give you leads. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so a tip then, linger out the front. Yeah, and absolutely. Look at, and absolutely. Look at the shop window. Loiter. Loiter. <laughs> <laughs> I use the word linger. <laughs> okay, so, so if they come out, that's a good thing. That's right? a good thing. Okay. That's a good thing. So, so yeah. say you start a – and I'm thinking about I was um, – I don't know if you listen to this. I was up at Old Bar. I go a surf trip up there sort mm-hmm. of every, every winter and uh, I was looking at some waterfront land up there and, and the guy came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, engagement conversation took me for a coffee and uh, I, I thought it was very good can't remember his name it's good good operator um but then i sat with him and we just started talking right so if you actually engage a real estate agent or a property manager what, what are the three key bits of information you need to get out of them to help you down this journey of determining whether or not 
the area is a, a hotspot or an investment location? Well, the first thing that uh, you need to get out of them is who are their buyers? Are they uh, home upgraders? Are they first home buyers? Are they investors? And if they're investors, are they local investors or are they interstate investors? Has there been a change in terms of the inquiries that he's had over the last couple of months? Um, and then, you know, uh, quiz him on what's happening in the area. You know, um, a good agent will have all of the um, uh, points already in their head uh, in terms of what's happening, in terms of development, what changes have happened. Uh, and, and sometimes um, uh, the agent may have a negative uh, view of the area because of local stigma and because he's always grown up there or he's come from an area that is a lot more upmarket and, and not within his um, expectations, so to speak. Uh, and uh, making sure that uh, you're then realigning that back to what you see as factual. Um, and, and, and these are these are just some of the baseline questions I would ask. Because mm, there's about 400 yes. questions. There's a question for you then, Steve, running on the same theme. So you, you'll get your own suite of questions that you want to start mm-hmm. asking people. Um, when you first meet an agent you know, the, the, the first time and they've come out and said, G'day, what are you looking at, right? You're, you're thinking about your move sort of four, five, six steps down the path where you might be transacting in a property. What sort of persona do you like to, to create with the agent? Um, and I imagine it probably change depending on what they're like and how they approach you. Um, what do you want them to think about you? Do, they, do you want them to think initially that you're just looking around and a bit, bit naive or are you in there pretty, pretty hard and disclosing that, you know, this is what you do for a living and, and you're painting a picture that you're a hard negotiator from the get-go. How do you approach that? No, the latter point you made, that's just about ego and that won't yeah. help you anywhere. For me, yeah. I, they can uh, interpret who I am whichever way they want and I mm. prefer it that way because they will... So uh, you don't really disclose... I don't disclose who I am until later on. Yeah, when okay. I say who I am, I mean what I do. Yeah, but what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Well, what you're up... What, what, you're, what, the, what, you're what I'm there is. for, yeah. 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 Um, I probably always do disclose, though, that I want to invest. I don't want to give any indication that I'm a, an owner-occupier okay. looking for a place to live. Uh, but it's not just the one agent for me. So if, if if I'm talking to or if I've done my recon beforehand, the agent I'm looking for is probably the best listing agent in the office who who does the most business. Okay. So you, you'll know who you want to talk to. Yeah. And so, I'll yeah. sort of – I'll angle for that person mm. and then I'll work my way up to the principal because at the end of the day, the principal has he's to got the, the vested bills interest and in. he's got the vested interest. Um, but I also speak to the property manager because what I'm trying to do is – combine into that pot of ground truth, I suppose, what the momentum of the market is, so from the sales mm-hmm. agent or from the principal. Uh, and then when I'm going to the rental department, I'm wanting to look at the vacancy rate, how many properties they manage, what's the buoyancy of the, the rental market, has it contracted, is it going up, what type of properties do better than others, how many bedrooms, bathrooms, so on and so forth. Mm. Uh, and that's really helping me determine, and that's just not with one agent either, that would be the whole strip. Of, yeah. of agents and then what usually happens is you'll get brushed by you know, some of the agents because it's just all too hard uh, and then you'll get others that are very, very hungry and they're willing to give you the time to sit down and basically open up, not open up their books, but open up their um, their book of experience and give you the time of day to let you know what's happening in the area because agents, they're a, they're a good bunch of people. Yeah, there were some pretty ordinary ones amongst them but at the end of the day they want to make a living and they make a living by selling property. So it's in their interest. And that's at that point that I'm a little bit upfront saying, look, this is what I do. Um, and I am, depending on the market pulse, but yeah, I'm going to give you a lot of offers and a lot of them aren't going to be too attractive. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, but we complete. How, how do you know when, so, say, Victor, you, you know, it's a scenario, you, you walk a, 
a high street in a, in a suburb and there might be three or four different um, real estate agents. There's some branded ones like an LJ Hook or some of them independent, right? Say you've gone and visited all of them. When, how do you know you when you've really smelt out a bargain or someone is really desperate to sell? Um, <laughs> say you've reviewed a whole bunch of things, you go, yeah, that, that person there, that this, I can get this thing cheap. Are you talking about the vendor or the agent? Both, from the agent. The a- agent, a good agent, Probably won't mm-hmm. give too much away no, because but, the agent yeah, works for the seller. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but but you must you must be you must, you've done this enough now to go. Mm-hmm. You know, I can smell I can smell that that property right there. There's something going on there. Some this thing's going to get shifted, and I can get it really cheap. Or is that just a, a gut instinct? It, now it's that you it's know? a gut instinct. Plus, it's also talking to the listing agent. And, and Steve mentioned it recently in terms of always talk to the listing agent because mm-hmm. they control the uh, commentary back to the vendor. Um, they're the person that that um, has um, the vendor's ear. So, uh, do you want to explain that though, from a, re- a remuneration? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. So, um, generally, how an agent gets paid. So, uh, how a real estate agency works is, let's say, uh, the commission on a uh, on a property was say ten thousand dollars, right? Um, 20 percent of that actually goes back. So, two thousand goes back to the office, regardless mm-hmm. of who sells it. And then the commission, depending on how the agency runs. Um, 40% of it goes back to the listing agent and the other 40% goes back to the person that sold it. So if you're dealing with the listing agent and he's also selling the property uh, to you, he gets 80% of the commission. Okay. Right? Now, now, different uh, different uh, splits with different agencies, but that's how gen- generally it works. Yeah? Yeah. So if, if you're dealing with someone that's going to get 80% of the commission, they're more likely to be in the vendor's ear and, and, and um, making sure that your message is translated back to the vendor um, uh, straight away, as opposed to if, you, if you're dealing with the salesperson in the, in the office, the salesperson then needs to go back to the listing agent and he then translates your re- uh, request and offers back to the vendor. So there's a lot of slippage there, plus the fact that um, uh, there isn't that, that motivation of, uh, hang on, I can get 80%. So and human is, nature kicks yeah, in. Is, is the listing agent the more senior person? Not necessarily. In the no, transaction? Not necessarily. No. So the listing agent is the person who went out and won the listing, which and is won half, the, of, half of the game. Right? Yeah, and they yeah. usually say a good listing agent is probably the best agent in the office because mm. it's hard to get someone to commit to you to sell their property. Mm. But and the sales agent could be, yeah, just about anybody, mm-hmm. so to speak. But it's really important that the listing that you, as Vic says, that you can you go to the listing agent because human nature can kick in, uh, and depending on how the office runs, which is another point, you really, if you're going to be a serious investor, you need to understand how each and every office mm-hmm. runs. Is it, is That's you, one of the questions we ask. Yeah, mm-hmm. is it, it, it what you actually say? Are you the listing agent? Or are you the sales agent? You're asking. We ask yeah. who's the listing agent on this yeah. property. Is yeah. there any particular time from a uh, the mechanics of getting a deal done and uh, how real estate agents, the nature of their employment and the way they get paid. Is there any better day to buy real estate than others? Like, because I always said, if you're going to buy a car, buy it on the last day of the month because everyone's trying to get every day, every, every day, every day is, is a good day. day. Every yeah. day is a good day. Look, I think when it's it, the market will dictate that, and and um, as I get closer to the end of the month with their uh, KPIs and and what have you, mm. but it, I think knowing when to speak to them, when to contact mm. them is also important because most real estate agents will have what they have a van day where all the agents in the office get together in a couple of cars and they go and look at every property they have for sale within the office. So you won't get them. 
Okay. It's because they're doing the van, but a good time to get them is straight afterwards because they've just been through every property. Mm. Yeah, and that's cir- where the vendor's motivations disclose to them and circumstances change. May have, all that sort of may stuff, have yeah. changed. Mm. Um, so keeping constant communication with the agents. So realistically, it comes down to the relationship you have with the agents and a lot of hard work is put in to create the relationship, but equally to keep it. So this goes back to the, to, to the mantra around uh, the data uh, the research will give you the clues of which areas to invest in, mm-hmm. um, but you've got to get on the ground. Absolutely. And and if you do an issue yourself, um, the way I view it is that you're you're competing with people that do this professionally for a living, which is like you guys, right? Mm, you know? That's right. Our, our advantage is we do this on a full time basis, and and when we're dealing with agents, um, they get to know really quickly that we're not just a one sale to them. Yeah. We're multiple sales because we've got uh, you know quite a few clients that are ready to buy in that area where we've set up the plan for them to um, uh, buy in that area because it suits their portfolio. So if if it comes back to let's say it is the same price. Uh, that that that's been uh, brokered between us and and someone from the general public that mm. that's uh, done really well. Generally, the agent will lean towards us because they see longevity in that relationship, whereas that is just the one transaction. This is when you start getting your off market listing. That's right? true. They'll just give you a call true. saying, "Hey, look, I know mm. you're interested. This I know this stuff you're looking at. Yeah, this mm. just come on the market." That's a really. I'm glad you actually brought that up because mm. that gets um, bandied around too much. Too much off market, mm. and people need to understand that um, the true meaning of off market when industry people are talking about off-market, they're really referring to pre-market and there's a big difference. So mm-hmm. off-market is literally... Non-advertised. It was never going to mm-hmm. be for sale, but you've managed to talk the seller into perhaps... And so you knock selling. on the door and say, hey, look, I've just bought next door. You want me to sell me yours? Correct. Okay, okay. off-market. Yeah. Pre-market is when you've been given the heads up and you're doing it before it hits to the general public. Mm. And there's a big difference, but people tend to want to use this word off-market That's when a good clarification. truly mm. it doesn't exist very much at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're buying off market, generally you're paying a premium. Yeah, yeah, because that's the only only reason that someone that wasn't intending to sell will sell is if they've got way above what be the some expectation. Upside yeah, that's right. Of some sort, whether mm-hmm. it's long terms or, or yeah. some other. So thing. a good example of off market is we recently got a property for one of our clients, which was a potential development site. Well, it is a development site for the future, and for six months we've been door knocking the next door neighbours, and they're finally. Agree to, it. agree to it. That is no agent, no, no, that's, that's purely off market. Okay, good. I think we're done all right there. So, hot spots, not spots, somewhat spots. <laughs> Just find out, you know, it's a mixture of stick, good research and yeah. ground truth. Stick, stick to, to the, the fundamentals. fundamentals. Yeah, stick to the stick fundamentals. To the fundamentals. Um, keep your relationships fluid mm. uh, and well oiled and be ethical is what mm. I would suggest. If you want to do it yourself, there is plenty of scope for people to be able to do it themselves. It's just do they have the time? Good. Nice one. Nice one. All right, I think we've done pretty well there, guys. So uh, as you know, we're going to conclude with our question of the month, and it's from Bronwyn. Uh, Victor, I'm going to fire this as you because you are the master at this sort of stuff. You've been doing it for years and years and years. Uh, Bronwyn asks, and it's, it's a short question, but Bronwyn asks, how do you effectively buy at auction in a softening real estate market? She's referring to Sydney in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, should you avoid auctions, I guess, in, in, in Sydney at the moment, or is it this is when you're going to start getting your bargains? No, this is this is when you do start getting your bargains. And, and the reality is that um, uh, with um, uh, auctions, the first thing that you need to be mindful of is how many people are actually there as a genuine bidder. Uh, in other words, how many people have uh, requested a contract, how many people have done a pest and building pre- prior to the auction. And um, making sure that you've you've got that squared off first, uh, and in a, in a softening softening market, auctions are a really good way to buy. 
uh, the trick is not to get carried away with the emotion of it mm-hmm. uh, and making sure that you're you're setting a hard limit and sticking to it even if it means that the property goes a thousand dollars above your your limit a limit's a limit okay and steve um showing up sometimes just gets you the best bargains right it's been yeah it's been (laughs) (laughs) tapping before apparently yeah look i think um just furthermore from what vic said you need to have a Mm pre-approval or a loan approval in your hand never go to an auction without without that but um because we do so many auctions um we have our different ways of doing it and that also comes down to research all the way down to who's the auctioneer how do they operate who's the agent how do they talk um how many pest and buildings Mm -hmm. uh have been carried out on the property because that will indicate people that are genuinely invested or want to go to the auction because they've spent money how many people register is another big thing um who's the vendor is it a family is it a distress sale is it a bank uh and you you mentioned a softening market in Sydney and potentially there might be some bank auctions. Knowing who the bank is or who the distributor of the, the mortgagee is will affect on what the fallback position. So there's actually a science to that as well. Mm. It's just not a matter of, well, I want to bid on one Smith Street, I'm going to lob up and put my hand in the air. So if you are going to auction, know that it's it's an emotional play as well. You'll be worked pretty hard by the agent and the auctioneer mm. because it's all about momentum. And the words they use is you don't want to lose this for $1,000. Yeah, so it's a bit of a psychological... Mm. Stay scenario. firm, stay, stay the course. And, and much like our, our conversation today around ident- identifying investable locations, it all comes down to the intelligence you've got. Know what's happening. Yeah, the more information you've got, the, the more informed decision you can make. Better, so, better educated you are, the better the chance you have of succeeding. There we go. Nice one. Uh, all right, I'm going to wind up there. Uh, Victor, uh, two things. Your book, it's in bookstores. It is in bookstores. Check it out. Yep. What's it called again? Supercharge your property portfolio. Okay, nice one. And uh, if anyone's got any questions about what we've spoken about today or even questions about your book, no doubt, how can they get Uh, in contact? Questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au and if you are wanting the book, um, click on the link in the show notes and um, it'll take you to the website. Too easy. Thank you, Victor. Steve, thanks, mate. That was uh, all very enjoyable. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I I actually learned a little bit more about this difference between listing agents and uh, and sales agents. So that's good intelligence to know. So uh, thank you for that information. Uh, Hope you enjoyed that, guys. Um, uh, We'll be back again next month for Investing Insights with Right Property Group. See you then. Bye-bye. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature, does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs, and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property, or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you.